Once again, we begin with the numbers. Sunday saw 88 new domestic COVID cases and nine COVID-related deaths. Among the new cases, 27 were identified from tests conducted at the end of the patient's quarantine period. Although Sunday's case number is higher than Saturday's, the daily count has remained under 100, and the overall trend is on the decrease. Let's hear from the health minister. There have been some clusters over the past two days, and we were all very worried, but the overall trend is on the decrease. Still, these new clusters will be where the central and local governments will concentrate their efforts, and we hope to contain the infections in a timely manner. Meanwhile, the Delta variant has made its way into Taiwan with a total of eight confirmed cases of the India-originated variant. The eight cases were found among a cluster of 12 in Pingdong involving a woman and her grandson who recently returned to Taiwan from Peru and an independent taxi driver. There are also two other clusters under close monitoring, one originating from a military hospital in Taoyuan and the other from a wholesale fruit and vegetable market in Taipei. The minister says now is not the time to be complacent. Taiwanese vaccine developer UBI Asia held a press conference Sunday evening to present the initial results from phase two clinical trials of its COVID vaccine. The company announced that the UB612 vaccine has been found to be safe with high tolerance. No adverse reactions were reported among its trial subjects and the immune response from the vaccine is able to attack the Delta variant. The company also said the vaccine does not require ultra-low temperature for storage. Similar to Medigen, UBI Asia's announcement came as the company released its Phase 2 Interim Analysis Results, or results from the initial data before completing data collection. UBI Asia plans to submit relevant documents to the Taiwan FDA for emergency use authorization and expects to roll out the vaccine in July. In response to the threat of the Delta COVID variant, the Central Epidemic Command Center announced that travelers arriving from seven high-risk countries, including India, the UK and Brazil, are now required to quarantine in centralized quarantine centers. Experts say vaccine coverage must reach at least 20 percent of the total population in order to contain this highly transmissible variant. They also say there should be a long enough interval between the first and second dose of a vaccine in order to get maximum protection. With the specter of the Delta variant looming, the CECC announced that starting Sunday, travelers arriving from seven countries, including India, the UK and Brazil, will be required to quarantine in centralized quarantine centers. They must also get a PCR test at the end of their quarantine period with a negative result before being let out. Looking back over the past year's COVID containment efforts, we've been able to prevent the virus from crossing the border. So testing upon arrival is of lower efficiency. In contrast, if testing is done after the 14-day quarantine period, then we would be able to catch the infections, as in some cases, the incubation period coincides with home quarantine, so it's more efficient to do testing when symptoms appear.
The Delta variant has mutations in the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein, which is where the virus attaches to the host cell. This is the reason for the Delta variant's increased infectivity. According to Public Health England, the Delta variant is about 60% more transmissible than previous strains, and the rate of hospitalization for patients with the Delta variant is two times higher than patients infected with the other strains. The locations where the Delta variant's mutations lie can bind to patient's cells, which is why its transmissibility is higher. Typical symptoms such as loss of taste or smell are actually less common in patients infected with the Delta variant. According to the findings from the Zoe COVID symptom study in the UK, the Delta variant provokes symptoms similar to those of the flu or a bad cold, such as headache, sore throat, sneezing, and runny nose, and they're more difficult to distinguish between the different infections. Experts fear that one single vaccine dose is insufficient against the Delta variant. What countries around the world have observed is that once vaccine coverage reaches 20 to 30 percent, we'll be able to clearly see a drop in infection numbers. Well, that's also because of additional containment measures. If the interval between the two vaccine doses is too short, then the vaccine will be less effective. A hospital director in Kaohsiung also reminds the public that receiving both doses is of utmost importance. He also advises not to be too picky with vaccine brands and urges the public to get vaccinated at their earliest convenience. For better protection, people should stick to official guidelines on top of vaccination. Motorists take note. With the continued rise of international crude oil prices, local fuel prices are set to go up. On Monday, both gasoline and diesel prices will rise by 0.3 NT per liter, with 92 octane verging on 28 NT a liter. With prices rising at the pump for the seventh consecutive week and the financial blow from the pandemic, some motorists say they just can't take it anymore. After pulling into the gas station, people can only shake their heads upon seeing the gasoline prices. Some, instead of filling up the tank, opt to fill just 10 liters as money has been tight during the pandemic. As gas prices are set to climb for the seventh consecutive week, motorists are now pinching pennies. I can't take it anymore. There's a pandemic and my income has dropped a lot. But what can I do? I still need gas or my car won't run. According to state-run refiner CPC's floating pricing formula, the price of both gasoline and diesel will go up by 0.3 NT dollars next week. After the adjustment, 92-octane gasoline will reach 27.9 NT dollars a liter, verging on the 28 NT dollar mark. 95-octane will hit 29.4 NT dollars a liter, and 98-octane 31.4 NT dollars. Premium grade diesel will reach 25.1 NT dollars. After seven weeks of price increase, the price per liter of gas will have risen by more than one NT dollar. Despite that fuel prices have rebounded, OPEC is still controlling them. With the U.S.'s production unable to increase, the supply is way lower than the increasing demand. As the economy recovers and fuel demand increases, international crude oil prices have been on the rise. A barrel of crude oil is now at 73.7 U.S. dollars, a 1.36 U.S. dollar rise from last week's 72.34 U.S. dollars. 
Analysts say the upward trend will continue past 80 US dollars a barrel, a scenario that will certainly cause motorists to keep an eye on the balance sheet. One of Taipei's most well-loved restaurants shocked patrons by announcing its imminent closure. Kang Yuan is an eatery inside the legislative Yuan. With customer numbers down due to COVID, it will suspend operations on July 3rd. Lawmakers, however, are optimistic that it's just on pause, not bowing out. Kang Yun Restaurant at the Legislative Yuan is a beloved dinner spot for lawmakers. Apart from the patronage of lawmakers and legislature staff, it attracts tourists too. But all that has been no match for the pandemic. The front door was shut around 4 p.m. and not just for a breather. Business has been thin in recent weeks, and the restaurant chose to cut opening hours. A notice warned customers it will close down on July 3rd. If you've got a meal voucher at home, use it now. The news came as a shock, even to long-standing employees of the legislature. Under its current director, the restaurant has been here 12 years and was once nominated for a Tourism Bureau Prize for Best Taiwan Cuisine. During Wang Jingping's time as legislative speaker, his penchant for duck and taro paste and red braised tofu was indulged here. That enticed many tourists to try out his favorite eatery. Former lawmaker Apollo Chen made an urgent visit to Kangyun after hearing the news. His must-eat dish is the golden kimchi, which is also beloved by legislator Xu Zijie. Lots of people from back home in Fengshan would eat at Kangyun when they came to visit the legislature. Everyone likes the food, especially the special golden kimchi. Sweet and sour, very appetizing. I love it myself. I look forward to Kangyun reopening in the future. That's a sentiment echoed by many. Sources claim that some legislators habitually racked up debts in the restaurant, exacerbating its financial concerns. But the manager denied such rumors. Some choose to pay on the day, others do it the next day. And there are some who usually come many times a month and just pay monthly. Most credit has already been settled in full. Under the Level 3 pandemic alert, eating in is forbidden, of course. The restaurant has been losing money by opening just for takeout. For now, it's time to take a break. The rice grown in Taidong's Chishang Township is considered one of the best varieties on the island. In the countryside of Taidong, a young farmer has found an innovative way to sell this rice to all four corners of the world. This person is Wei Rating, a rice farmer who's incorporated blockchain technology into his rice paddies and is using his success to help his Hakka community. Let's meet him in our Sunday special report. We are in Taidong's Chishang Township, where nature is putting on a spectacle across 10 hectares of organic rice paddy. The cast of this theater is wide and varied. Javin Linas hop in from the south. From the north, an Indian spot-billed duck paddles along. This place is also the stomping ground of a class 2 protected species, the common pheasant. 
Cameras in the field capture every moment, and it's all for customers to see. Buy a bag of rice and scan its QR code to see all sorts of information about the patty it's from. It's almost like a rural version of The Truman Show, and he is the protagonist, young Hakka farmer Wei Rating. From fertilizing to transplanting seedlings, he's the one behind all the operations. But 12 years ago, he never would have guessed he'd go back to the countryside to work the land with his parents. I didn't like being out in the fields. I was very not much into it, and that's why I left Shishang. I thought I'd never have to come back after passing my civil service exam. I thought that was the end of all that. In 2008, after passing his civil service exam, he started working at the Luodong Forest District Office in Ilan while pursuing a PhD at National Zhengxing University. He was chasing his dream, that of becoming a university professor. One year later, however, a phone call from his mother steered his life into a completely different direction. My mother bought 10 hectares of organic rice paddy in an auction. She planted the rice but didn't set up the partnerships needed to sell the rice. She called me and said, You've had a lot of education, you must know what to do in this situation. I told her, I didn't study marketing or anything about selling rice. Why would you ask me to deal with something like this? In the end, Wei was moved by his mother's pleas, and he applied for a transfer to a forest district office in Taidong to be close to family. He lent a hand to his parents before and after work, tending the fields and selling rice. Never having sold anything in his life, Wei didn't know where to begin to sell the 10 tons of grain that his family couldn't offload. All that grain, husked and separated, could yield 15,000 bags of grade A rice. Wei tried to sell it to rice companies to no avail. He decided to travel north with his cousin to sell the rice at a market in Taipei. The first time we hit the road, we took 60 or 70 bags of rice. Not a lot. I thought I'd just try to sell that. But by the end of the two days, barely anybody had bought any. We only sold about six bags. Chishang rice is a renowned brand, so the rice should have sold like hotcakes. After selling only six bags of his rice, Wei did some investigation to determine a reason. It was because the market was full of Chishang rice that contained mixed grain from here and there thrown in as filler. So consumers were losing some trust in Chishang rice. It was then that Wei decided to try and win back consumers' trust. He turned to Facebook, which at the time was a rising social media platform. Wei thought he may as well use it to show consumers what truly goes on in the fields. Every day I posted the things we had done in the fields on Facebook. That way, if you wanted to buy my products, you'd be able to see for yourself and get a clearer understanding of where it all comes from. It was like turning production into a show that consumers could follow on Facebook. 
Wei kept a photojournal on Facebook to show consumers the reality of working the fields. He only got five or six likes per post in the beginning, but eventually that gave way to hundreds of views and shares. Then the unimaginable happened. In 2017, the head of a tech company came knocking at Wei's door. The CEO Darren Wang saw what I was doing online. He said, this thing you're doing to promote your rice is actually very similar to a technology called blockchain. What do you say to integrating this technology to let the whole world know about your rice? When you go into this section, you can see all the environmental data. The data from each of the harvests is here and gets updated every two hours. In this traceable food blockchain, you can't make any modifications. If you want to alter something, you have to add a second item explaining the changes to a previous one. Blockchain data points can't be modified, meaning all the data recorded is real. The technology allowed Wei to break into the international market. His rice got certified by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration and started getting sold across the Pacific. Over in Europe, it was even served at the Pope's dining table in Vatican City. Wei is widely seen as a success story today, but he regrets not making it big before his beloved mother passed away in 2017 after a battle with lung cancer. Before she left us, she said, if you end up making money, you should use it to help our community. After all, everyone is helping us, so we should also help our society. Before her death, Wei's mother said she wanted him to give back to the community. With her last wish in mind, Wei started sharing his blockchain experience with local farmers to help them go international too. When you help small farmers, you're helping the community. When I do well, I want to bring up other people too. To share his knowledge with other young farmers, Wei holds workshops in a classroom near the fields when he has spare time. The classes are not conducted in Mandarin as you'd expect, but in Hakka, which is Wei's mother tongue. Wei says people shouldn't forget their roots. An important aspect of that is to keep one's mother tongue alive. That's why now, he also offers tours of his fields to teach children and adults about rice growing as well as the Hakka language. Hey, 
子尧的意思啊，啊，尧就是老鹰的意思啊。螳螂们对吧？螳螂，那个派派，你看有人会讲派呢。Wade doesn't want to tend only to his fields. He wants to help his whole community grow and thrive. Every month, he donates rice to a local nursing home. For Wei, spiritual fulfillment is more important than material gain. He says it is all for his mother watching from the heavens. You have some words you want to say to your mother? What did he say? He said he did everything he did. If he had a chance to come back, he would come back. 当哎呦，当那个扶那个拇拇指之类的。That one phone call from mom completely changed Wei's life, taking him on a long journey that's exceeded all his expectations. He hopes he's done his family proud. Though his mother is gone, he plans to keep her spirit alive as he helps their business and community prosper for years to come.